wonderful trip. I got to go back to see my mom and dad in Beloit, Wisconsin, where they launched their first church, Faith Builders, and uh, saw where my dad grew up. I saw some lots that the houses aren't even there anymore, but that's a house he lived in. And I got the old, uh, we call it the tour. My dad always takes us on the tour where we all grew up. But anyway, but I missed you all, and I'm glad to be back, and we have a great day planned for you. I'm going to be wrapping up uh, part three of our Hope in the Dark. And it's been a couple weeks since I've been here, so if you haven't heard any of the message of Hope in the Dark, I just encourage you to jump online, um, listen to part one and part two, because it really ties together. uh, part three today that we're going to close up on. But there's only three chapters in Habakkuk, so if you've never read it before, you can just open up your Bible. It takes about 10 minutes to probably get through that whole chapter. But we're really talking about um, what do we do when God doesn't show up where we think it should show up? What do we do when we know God has the power and the ability to change a situation, but he doesn't do it? Has anybody ever been there before? And sometimes we're maybe embarrassed or ashamed or maybe because we are people of faith and we believe God's word that we don't really mutter the words that sometimes we wonder, God, where are you? Why aren't you changing the situation? Why aren't you giving me the miracle and the breakthrough? Has anybody ever felt like, God, you just aren't fair? I've been so faithful, I've obeyed you, I've honored you, and yet I'm not seeing what I feel I deserve in my life. And every one of us can raise our hands this morning. But we're going to finish up this story about Habakkuk. But remember that Habakkuk was one of the minor prophets. He was a different kind of prophet. A normal prophet would go to God and get a word from God, and he would go to the people and tell the people what God is saying. But Habakkuk was different. He would go to God about what the people were going through. And what I love about Habakkuk, in these three short chapters is he was raw with God. He was real with God. He was angry with God. He was able to tell God exactly how he felt, not in disrespect, but he was really in anguish going, why aren't you doing what I know you can do, God? And I love that about him because when you're real with God and you're vulnerable with God is where he can give you the answers that you really need. Amen. And so I love that. And so We want to find out, God, what are you doing in this season where I don't see you happening or moving in my life? So the first thing that we talked about, and I'm going to write it down back here, and it is kind of far back here, but that's okay. The first week we talked about wondering. We were wondering in chapter one, or Habakkuk was wondering, where are you, God? When I know that you're able to move on my behalf, I know that you're the God of the miraculous, but you're not showing up in my life. God, you're not being fair. Has anybody ever been there? I'm wondering, is there something wrong with me, God? Is there something wrong with my faith? Have I got so many mistakes of my past that that's the reason you're not showing up in my life? This is what Habakkuk was wondering. The second thing that we learned in week two was our favorite word that we all love, and it's the word waiting. How many love waiting on anything? We're such a way out by the road now, taking my orders within the first 30 seconds that I'm there. We don't want to wait. And you may find yourself this morning that you're in the waiting zone, and you're wondering, God, when are you going to change my situation? When are you going to move on my behalf? And that's where Habakkuk was. He was waiting and saying, God, you don't seem fair. You seem to bless everybody else, but you're not seemingly blessing in my life. There's this quote I said the first week, and I want to bring it back to you, and it's this. When it's not God's timing, you can't force it. You can't force it. God has a timetable 
for what you need in your life. And we don't understand God's timing, do we? We don't understand it and we get frustrated sometimes. But if you're trying to make something happen, you can probably guarantee that God just isn't in the timing of that thing yet. May not mean he doesn't want to meet it yet. It may not mean that there's not a miracle happening for you. It just means that you need to take a step back and rest in the peace of God and have our faith and confidence in God knowing that he's moving on our behalf. Amen? So when, when it's not God's timing, you can't force it. But when it's God's timing, you can't stop it. I'm telling you, when God opens up the door for you, it'll be like a rush of his favor. There'll be no man can stop it, no opinions, no how much faith you think you have or you don't have, because thank God he moves past our emotions, amen? Thank God he moves past how we feel. So when God's in it is when you just step back and let the favor of God begin to flow. I've wrestled with the Lord so many times in my walk with God, and now I think, I hope I've come to the end of myself where now I can just rest in the mighty hand of God. And when things aren't happening in my time and my way, I'm going to take a deep breath and go, God, I'm going to trust you because I know you are God and you still sit on the throne. Amen. So what we find out through chapters one and two, and you read it, you'll find out for yourself, the whole time he was in frustration and agony. He was in this despair place of wondering, why isn't my life changing? Why isn't God destroying the enemy for me? But at the very end of the last verse of chapter two, we see something begin to change in Habakkuk. And in Habakkuk two, verse 20, it says this, but the Lord is in his holy temple. And what he was saying is, it doesn't matter what my situation looks like. I may be frustrated with God. I may be wanting to throw in the towel in discouragement. But at the end of the day, I see that God is still on the throne. And God hasn't forgotten me. And God hasn't abandoned me. So no matter what you're going through, you have to say, but God, amen? But God is there. He is in his holy temple. And let all the earth be silent before him. See, in your frustration, we have to learn to be silent. Be silent to God and not be um, murmuring and complaining, and frustrated. But if you look at that word silent, it actually means this. It means to be raw and weak. Has anybody ever been raw and weak before in your walk with God? Like on the fringes of wondering, God, if you don't do this, I don't even know where my walk with you can continue to go. We may not open up and say it with our mouths, but in our heart, we feel that way. So what the psalmist is saying in David, he says, be still and know that I am still God. He's saying in your rawness, in your vulnerability, in the place where you feel so weak right now and you wonder if anything's ever going to change, he said, be still and know that he is God. I'm going to know that no matter what I'm questioning, I'm going to watch and see what God is about to do in my life. That's what the word know means. I'm going to, in my rawness and vulnerability, I'm going to know, I'm going to watch with expectancy and see what God is about to do in my life. And that activates faith in your life, amen? I'm not going to take a back seat. I'm not going to give up and quit. I'm going to watch and see my Redeemer show up in my life, amen? Somebody shout amen this morning. Our Redeemer has not forgotten you, amen, because God still sits on the throne, amen, and his words are yes, and they are still amen in our life. 
He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He's not comparing you with somebody else. Well, let's give a little extra blessing sprinkles because they said a little extra prayer this week. No, God's not a respecter of persons. When it's his time and when it's his way, he will manifest his will. Amen? So then we get to chapter 3, and I love this because you see something reset in Habakkuk's heart. Even though he's frustrated, and listen, up to this point in the story, God has still not done what Habakkuk has asked him to do. He has still not seen the hand of God perform. And really, by the end of the chapter, chapter 3, we don't ever see in the recording that God did what Habakkuk wanted him to do. And there's sometimes in our journey with our walk with God that if we never see the promise, I'm never going to lose my hope in God. I'm never going to give up my joy in God. If I don't see what I think I need to see, I'm going to still worship him anyway. I'm going to still praise him anyway. I'm going to still love him anyway. Amen? I'm going to continue to come to church. I'm going to continue to give. I can't tell you the times I've walked up in this pulpit in my walk with Jesus Christ and my heart was in a million pieces breaking and I stepped into the faith and the courage of God it says I can get up there and preach the word of God I can do it by the grace and the love of God not based on what my life looks like but based on the power of God's word And that's the confidence that we have. Every one of us have a broken story. Every one of us have a place that we, God, maybe just simply didn't show up in. But we don't want to quit and we don't want to give up, amen? We have to be still and trust and see that God's going to make a way. And so his heart began to change. And in this first verse of Habakkuk chapter 3, we may even overlook this first verse. It's so small. But it says this, Habakkuk 3 verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on, let me say this right, Shigjinath. Everybody say Shigjinath. Shigjinath. And if you look at that word Shigjinath, that's all that that verse says. Shigjinath was used one time in Habakkuk. And what does Shigjinath mean? It's the plural of Shigjin. (laughs) Shigjin was used one time in the Psalms. So we find this word Shigjinath two times in the word of God. And it is a powerful, transforming word that Habakkuk is about to shigjanath God. He's about to praise God. He's about to say, I'm all in no matter what I'm going through. No matter if God never shows up, I'm still going to shigjanath anyway. So let me tell you what shigjanath really means. It's a musical term, and it means this. It's instructing a group of people and how the song should be sung. So if I was coming up and I was to be your choir director today, which you would never want me to be, because we would be the most off-tune choir you've ever heard, because I sing off-key. But if I was to come up here and I said, listen, this song needs to sound like this. It's going to have a jazz kind of feel to it, you know? So we're going to sing. I'm instructing you of what the feel of this medley should be like. And that's the tone that is changing in Habakkuk. He's saying, I'm My last two chapters were in agony and pain, and I was voicing my frustration to God, but I'm about to change my tune. I'm about to change how I feel right now, even though the situation hasn't changed yet. I'm about to change. See, before your situation can change, God wants you to change. And that's what we find in this word, shigjanoth. And it means this. It means to sing with strong emotions to be impassionate or exuberance. 
wildly passionate singing with rapid changes of rhythm, high-spirited praise, or listen, a sense of victory. Have you ever come into the worship service and you are struggling on the inside? And you're feeling like God isn't there for you. And you just think life is never going to change. Or something came in your life and it just sucked you, knocked you right in the gut. And you come into this worship service. And I've seen many of you do that. And you decide no matter how you feel, you're going to shignajog anyway. You're going to praise God anyway. You're going to lift your hands and shout praises to God anyway. You're going to have a wild praise. Because no matter what it looks like, I'm going to praise my God anyway. Nothing's going to take my praise away. And in this part of Habakkuk, he's saying, listen, I'm going to get all in, God. I'm not going to get halfway in. I'm not going to be one of these prayer people, but I'm going to get all the way in. And I'm not talking about your exterior part of your praise, but I'm talking about your heart. You're going to say, God, my heart's getting all in again. I'm going to worship you with a praising heart. I'm going to serve you with a joyful heart. I'm all in. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines in disappointment and discouragement and comparing myself to others. I'm going to pray Praise my God anyway, because in my praise, it's going to release my faith to my place of victory. Your praise releases your faith. This isn't a simple little praise. This is like, I'm going to the mat, and I'm going to praise God. Has anybody ever done a crazy praise here today? I may have not done ugly praise here in church. I call it ugly cry, because I do some ugly cries with God. But I can tell you what, I'll be in my back office, and I'll be praising God until the shackles of disappointment and hopelessness fall off my heart. Amen? Because I'm not going to live my life in disappointment, because I know the great I am is in control anyway. I'm going to serve him with joy. I'm going to serve him with peace, no matter what happens in my life. I read an article about... uh, Shigjanag Nath praise. And one of them says it wasn't a whiny cry in your beer kind of faith. It probably wasn't a Christian article. But it's not that. You ever heard those Christians, uh, country western songs? You know, you're going to cry in your beer. Everything goes backwards, right? But it's not that kind of praise. It's not like I'm, I'm uh, you know, bawling and crying and I'm all in my emotions about it. It is what this article said, uh, exclamation mark praise exclamation mark. Have you ever texted anybody that uses a lot of exclamation marks? If I've ever texted you, you are aware I use a lot of exclamation marks. I've had people say to me before, are you like mad or something because you got all these exclamation marks? No, it just means I'm really excited about what I'm saying. So this is the kind of praise. It's an exclamation mark kind of praise. It means no matter how I feel, I'm going to worship God anyway. Amen? The most passionate praise that you could ever do in what we find Habakkuk doing is praise before the provision. Praise him before the miracle happens. That's the most passionate praise you will ever done. When I went through a heartbreak and betrayal many years ago, I can't tell you the cries out to God in my home. I know the walls shook at some point because I was passionately praising God past this destructive emotions that wanted to sideline me out of the will of God. I was desperate for God to push me through, amen? So Habakkuk, he was full body, he was all in. He was exuberant and he was worshiping God before God did what he wanted him to do. That's some crazy worship, isn't it? That's when you know your faith really kicks into God when you can worship him with a broken heart. 
when you can serve him with the heart of disappointment and feeling like God has abandoned you and you wonder, where are you at, God? But in this point of disappointment, what you're praising God for is not what you're getting. You're praising God for who he is. Because it's so easy to praise God for what you get. And that's on the mountaintop. When you're on that mountaintop, I can praise God I got that breakthrough. I can praise God I got that promotion. But what about when I'm in the valley? What about when I don't feel God and I feel like God is a thousand miles away from me? What do I do? I'm not praising him for what he did or didn't do. I'm praising him for who he is. You are God Almighty. You are the great I am. You are the Alpha and the Omega. I'm praising your nature. I'm praising your faithfulness. I'm praising you as my redeemer and my restorer. Amen. When you're in the valley, praise God in the valley because God's going to take you right back up. And I'll show you that in just a minute. But you're praising God for who he is, amen, and not what you got from him. Habakkuk 3.12 says this, Lord, I heard of your fame. He's saying, I heard about the things that you did. Fame is something that was written about someone who did things. He said, I heard about the fames, your mighty miracles, the things that you did. I stand in awe of your deeds. He's saying, I know what you did with the children of Israel. I read about what happened in the scrolls. And he says to God, Lord, repeat them in my day. He's saying, I know the God that you are. I know your miraculous hand. I would like you to show up and repeat that awesome miracle, God, that you are today in my life. Amen. I want you, and the verse goes on to say, in our time, make them known to me. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants, to remember, wants us to remember the faithfulness that he was in your life before. How many has ever had a miracle God show up in your life? You had a breakthrough. You had a healing. You had salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody in your life had a miracle and a breakthrough. Every one of us has something that we can look back and stand of all that only God could have done that in my life. And so what I'm going to do in the season of the valley, I'm going to remember, God, what you did for me. I'm going to remember the miracle and the breakthrough so that you can stir the faith up in my heart and say, God, do it today. If you did it yesterday, you can do it today. Amen. God, I've seen you move before, and I know you can do it again, and I'm going to praise you because of who you are, not what you've done. There's this song we sing uh, by Elevation Church. And it says this, I've seen you move, come move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. Amen? That's where our heart has to go. I know God did it, and I know you're going to do it again in my life. So what did we learn the last couple weeks? We learned that our journey starts with an experience from God. We get saved and we have this encounter with God and our life just shoots up, doesn't it? It's like we just have this faith in God. Every time we even think a prayer, God answers the prayer. You know, we get the front row parking in front of Target when we don't even pray for it, right? The worship service is always good. The word of God is always good. We have this burst of faith. And then what happens on this journey? We love God, but then life happens, doesn't it? We pray for that promotion and it, we don't get the promotion. 
We pray for that person to get healed, and they die anyway. My marriage gets destroyed. I didn't see that coming. Life happens, and here we are loving God, serving God, and yet life takes us by surprise, and there's a study in experiencing God that calls it the crisis of your belief. Everything that I've trusted God in, everything that I stood for in his word and his promises, everything that I believed, I don't know if I believe it right now. See, I'm not talking about a little thing. I'm talking about something that rattles your belief in God and his word. Because this is where the devil wants to throw you off track. Do you really believe what God said? Or because of this crisis, which a lot of people do, they say, you know what? God isn't real. I tried it. It doesn't work. I'm going to give up on God. And so many people lose their faith and trust in God because they didn't understand the cycle that there are valleys and there are mountaintops in our walk with God. Or you've got another person who says, but God, I want to be on the mountain. I want everything well. I want to feel good. I want the promotion. I want the favor. I want when I pray, you answer my prayer. How many know that's really awesome? That faithfulness got us to the mountaintop. But when I have a crisis of I don't understand why God has me where I'm at, sometimes we want to just pretend that all is good. We just ignore it. We just deny it. So we come into church. We love God. We do a little worship service. We go out. Nobody ever knows, but on the inside, our faith has been robbed. It's been stolen from. And what happens to believers is they get stuck right here because I don't know what I need to believe. And then what you end up finding is they end up, they end up doing this. Because if you don't fix the crisis of your belief and put your praise in God, put your trust in God, praise him when you don't see him anyway, worship him when there's no miracle or breakthrough, this is the point where God begins to work your faith in your heart. But we feel God has abandoned us. We feel God has forsaken us because we don't understand the crisis and we want to fix it and make it go away. But God has more, amen? So what do you do, what do you do when my, my crisis of belief is happening and what I believe God can do, he's not doing it. When I believe he can give me a miracle and it's not happening in my life, what do I do in those moments? I know God is able, but my life is going further, further downhill. What do I do in the valley? And that's what we're talking about today because it's right here in this moment of the valley where you feel abandoned, where you feel the farthest away from God, where you don't feel the presence of God, but it's right here where God develops your faith and trust in him. The mountaintop does not produce fruit. It's in the valley that produces the fruit of Christ in your life. It produces patience and perseverance and trust because I'm not seeing God, but I'm gonna trust him anyway. I'm not feeling God, but I'm gonna worship him anyway. It's in the valley where you stay consistent, which is, listen, True intimacy takes place in the valley. Because when I'm on the mountaintop, I'm pretty much not spending a lot of time with God. Because I, I'm, life is good. I'm feeling good. Life is good. I'm running with my friends. I'm taking vacations. I'm coming to church. God's meeting my need. But all of a sudden, I have a need for God. 
All of a sudden, I'm not feeling God. All of a sudden, that word isn't transforming my life anymore. So what's it going to do? It's going to drive me to the throne room of God. I want to fix what I'm feeling. I don't like this feeling. I don't like feeling abandoned by God. So I'm going to dig into his word and his trust, and I'm believing that God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And we find in Habakkuk, how did he do it? He shijignogged his way out of his situation. He worshiped God in his situation. And Amen? So there's two things that you can do when you're in the valley. And if you've been serving God long enough, you've been in a valley. And maybe you find yourself in the valley today. And this is the one thing that we talked about briefly. One is you're going to remember. Wish I had a bigger board, but I don't. Remember, remember the goodness of God. Remember God in your life and what he has done through your life in the past. Habakkuk 3.3 says this in chapter 3. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. We may look at those places and think, what do those mean anything to me? God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. And what you find out in this portion of the story is he's remembering the God that took the children of Israel from captivity and slavery. And during that time of the journey in the wilderness, he brought them to two significant places that brought refreshing to the children of Israel. And these are the two places. It's two places. It's Taman and Paran. Remember the places that God brought you to that were good. And maybe you found yourself in a situation, there's no way out. Israel's didn't think there was a way out of slavery. There was no way out of captivity. They were going to live the life of bondage they were, they were in. But what did God do? Everybody say, but God. But God turned the heart of Pharaoh. See, God can make a way in your situation where it looks like there's no way out. God changed the heart of Pharaoh and said, Moses said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, okay, I guess so. And then he got mad. And the children of Israel, oh, but God, now the enemies are chasing us. And God says, stand still, be at peace. I'm going to open up the Red Sea, the impossibility, and you're going to walk through on dry ground, even though you see your enemy pursuing you. And what did God do? God came through. They walked through the Red see God destroyed their enemy and they were victorious amen God wants you to remember when he was faithful in your life no matter what the situation looks like Habakkuk 3 verses 4 through 6 says this he talking about God his splendor was like the sunshine think of the power of God rays flashed from his hands where his power was hidden plague went before him pestilence followed his steps what did God do when all that was happening, he stood and shook the earth. He looked and he made the nations tremble. We serve a strong and mighty, all-powerful God. Amen. And if you go through the next few verses of Habakkuk, you're going to find he continues to remember all the goodness of God. And if we're like Habakkuk, we can look through the word. Habakkuk probably cried out to God and said, God, I remember when you gave fresh manna from heaven and the children, when the children had no food to eat. I remember when they gave meat from the ravens to feed us. I remember when Moses t- spoke to that rock and that rock gave us water. I remember the goodness of God. I imagine that he said, I remember when you called fire, Elijah called fire down from heaven, right? Or in the Old Testament, when you called the sun to stand still, when you shut the mouths of the lion, 
lion for Daniel. See, he's remembering all the powerful move of God in his life. He's saying, if you're the God that can do that, you're the God that can surely do this. In my own life, I have found places where I felt God abandoned me. I found places where I was betrayed and didn't understand why I didn't deserve it. I found places where I wondered, God, where are you? And it's in these moments of my personal life that I have to remember when I was a youth pastor and these kids were coming off the streets that were full of drugs and were getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered and serving God. I have to remember that the woman that I prayed for at my other church was full of cancer and I prayed for her at that altar and she came back with the report from the doctor and the doctor said the cancer is 100 complete gone. She was completely healed by the power of God. See, I may not see right now. I'm in my disappointment and my despair, but God, I remember. If you're good then, you're good now. If you're a miracle working God then, then you're a miracle working God now. And I don't know how or when or if ever, but I don't care. I'm going to praise you anyway. Amen. I'm going to praise you because you're my provider. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. So we're going to remember what the Lord has done. And something we're not going to do is we're not just going to endure. We're not going to endure. Endure means I just take what comes my way. I'm just going to go with the flow. Life is bad. I'm going to go with the flow. No, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to do what what, um, Habakkuk did. And what did he do? He embraced. He embraced. He said, God, I don't understand you, but I trust you. God, I don't know where you're at, but I keep my faith in you. If any of you have had children, I've seen videos online that have to go get a shot or they have to have a procedure done at the office and they don't understand and they're terrified. And the doctor says, I need you to hold your child down so that we can administer whatever they need to do. And what does that kid do? They're terrified. And they're kicking and they're screaming. They're wrestling. They're afraid. They don't know what's happening. But at the same time, they're clinging to you, aren't they? They're embracing their trust in you. And they're probably saying, make it stop. Make it go away. They're terrified. They don't understand that what's happening is actually good for them, but it's scary because they don't understand. And so that child will hang on to that parent the whole time wrestling but embracing wrestling. I want out of this God change it, but I love you and trust you because you're the one I put my faith and trust in. You're the one that can make it go away, God. And that's what God is asking us to do in the valley. He's saying, I need you. Yes, you don't understand, but embrace me. You may be afraid, but trust me. You may not understand the season, but worship me anyway. Because God says, I make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. God makes a way. I'm going to close with this verse and Ran out of all kinds of time this morning, but the last part of this verse, uh, Habakkuk 3.19, he closes, amazing. He says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. No matter what I'm going through, the sovereign Lord is my strength. I don't understand God, but the rest of that verse says, he makes my feet like a deer. He makes my feet like a deer. He enables me, what? He enables me to tread on new heights. He enables me to tread on new heights. God wants to take you to new levels, new blessings, new breakthrough, but it only comes through trusting him in the valley. He says, you're my strength. 
Like I said the first week, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy soul and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. See, the word is the faithfulness that gets us back up. And that's what we find in Habakkuk's life. We don't understand the why. We just have to worship the who. Trust him in the midnight hour, amen? I enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him in the valley. I love to praise him for what he's done, but in the valley, I'm gonna praise him for who he is. I like to brag on him on the mountaintops, but I get to know him intimately in the valley. And what we find in chapter three, he closes the last verse, and we don't have time, but the last verse, he says, but I count it all joy. He opened up chapter three with Shigjanag praise, and he closes it with praising God. And that joy, that rejoicing word, he says, I count it all joy. That word rejoicing means crazy worship. It means spinning. It means out of control. It means all in. And I'm asking you, no matter what you've been through, and maybe you're stuck at your crisis of belief, it's time to get all in. Maybe you want to drive in your car, worship God in your car, tell God you're all in again. Give that distrust, that lack of faith that you have because you were disappointed. Get it all back in your worship, amen? If you want to shop, go through that shop and turn on worship music and begin to praise God. If you have time in your car, begin to worship God in your car. If you have time in your home, put on a worship CD in your home. It's time to praise God in the midnight hour. Amen. Always the valley of worshiping him. Amen. Okay, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for this series, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that every one of us can relate to wondering where are you, God? Why aren't you moving the miraculous of our life? And Father, I pray this morning for grace, grace to cover them in every situation that they find themselves in. That God, we're not gonna worry about if you're fair, if you're not fair. We're not gonna worry if you show up, if you don't show up. We're gonna praise you anyway, God. We're gonna praise you in the valley. We're gonna talk to you in the valley. We're gonna embrace you in the valley, God. Because we know that you never leave us and you never forsake us. You never abandon us, that you're right there with us. So, Lord, I speak hope to every person here this morning. Turn that situation around for good and for your glory. With all eyes closed this morning, I want to make sure everyone has an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you'll just repeat this prayer after me, say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my disappointment. And I release all my unbelief to you. And I receive the gift of faith in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may stand to your feet this morning. If you said that prayer this morning, there's a card in the chair in front of you. Just take a minute to fill it out. I choose card. We'd love to uh, have that card, pray with you, give you some information about your walk with Jesus because it's more than just saying a prayer. Amen you've been a Christian long enough, you more, it's more than just saying a prayer. So make your way forward um, if you have one of those cards with you. Otherwise, bless you guys. Have a wonderful day, and we will see you next Sunday or Wednesday.